welcome to the Matt Hummer podcast. It's episode 99. I'm Mo and I'm here with a very special guest today, a two-time Matt Hummer cover star, currently on one of four Matt Hummer covers available to collect right now. It's Mr. Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Doing all right. Here in the, I'm here in the mythical studio that you record this podcast. Yeah. It, There's is, no roadworks outside. Is, today, is the, uh, today is the, uh, the boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> Just killed the illusion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got a bit of crackle on your mic there. Can you oh, hear it? God. Yep. Away you're teaching me how to hold the That'll microphone. That'll do it. I know. <laughs> Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am? Yeah. Fuck me. Obviously in town uh, to talk about Viva the Underdogs, the huge new film uh, from you guys that is actually out in cinemas yeah, for man. at least today, like right around the world. You can watch it in the UK on Wednesday as well. Um, we'll get into all that in a bit. Uh, a couple of brief newsy bits to talk about as well. Uh, Ray Burton has passed away at the age of 94. Uh, Ray was, of course, the father of much-loved Metallica bassist Cliff Burton, uh, who himself passed away in 1984 uh, in a bus crash in Sweden. Um, But despite losing Cliff, Ray always remained a much-loved member of the Metallica family who would often be seen at their shows, hanging with members of the bands right up until this year. He was a hugely popular guy. Um, And you can read a really nice tribute to Ray uh, over on Lars Ulrich's Instagram page now, so you should go over and, and check that out. Um, and also, My Chemical Romance have just confirmed their much-rumoured UK tour. Uh, they're hitting up the MK Stadium on June 20th, which is the same stadium that Ramstein actually played over here. So Damn. big deal that they're back. Yeah. Big deal indeed. Uh, but anyway, that's all for another time, I think. Let's yeah, get into My Chem's for film. another time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into this film. <laughs> Uh, so Viva the Underdogs it's out in cinemas internationally today that's Wednesday 22nd um, you can use your Google machine to go and uh, see which cinemas it's showing in the UK um, this is actually the third film slash documentary type thing um, that uh, you've put out right yeah whoop, whoop. test test are we good test yeah we're good yeah Whoa. These mics are giving me a heart attack. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. Technical difficulties. It's no, we're tense, good, I think. As you put it's because, it. you know what? It's because I've just been watching this film. Yeah. And, no, and, no, I, and I, about two hours ago, I was watching the bit where things go wrong and there are some technical mishaps and you're not sure if the show is going to go off. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff about that kind of thing going on in there, isn't there? Like it oh, doesn't yeah. hold back on showing the, uh, the things that can go wrong or nearly go wrong. On the go road. really wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was... Well, that was a whole, it was really interesting because when we wanted to film it, we, we did want to show the fact that, like, yeah, shit happens. Like, it's not just, the thing that we feared was making another Happy Time Parkway movie because the reality of what we do is not just, like, this, it's a high-stakes thing. Like, there's, it's, it's dangerous. It's, there's a lot involved going on that can, any, any one of these wheels can go stop turning at any point in time Mm. and if we screw it up like it's our health our jobs our lives our livelihood and livelihood of our entire crew on the line um yeah and it just happened to be the year where a hell of a lot of shit went wrong while we had a camera crew with us (laughs) i I was gonna say because like it kind of adds some probably unwanted but um it adds some kind of almost good narrative drama to yeah it did it's like every show that that you get a behind the scenes look at there's like something going wrong and it's yeah. all so on tender hooks for a it while. was so strange um filming this because the, it for a long period of time we we weren't quite sure what 
we were even filming in the sense of we we knew there was something interesting which we wanted to portray. But I was going to ask you why yeah. now? Because as I said, you've done yeah. a couple of these kind of things before. So what made you kind it of think this is the time It was literally just like we, we just felt that the band, the band was at a stage where the public perception of what we were doing and what we are was more aligned with older visual representations like people go oh yeah what's the what's the second documentary you guys put up and we're like yeah the one that we put out seven years ago shit's changed since then <laughs> um so the idea of like basically bringing that up to date because surely this would be kind of a shock to people that this is what this is where that band has gone and this is how things operate um but yeah like in terms of like the drama it was when we started filming we're like we we don't want to have to fake drama. Like, how are we going to... Like, you've got to have some kind of narrative for this and it just happened to be, like... Yeah, the the year where there was drama and for all of the reasons you don't want any of these things to happen, it was also after they happened, we were like, well, at least we filmed it. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of the times when we were filming things, the film crew was coming along with us because this was supposed to be a high point. Not when your bloody headlining show gets shut down because a PA explodes yeah, or like yeah, when that, all that of your things go wrong. I mean, there's injuries. The thing is, it pie breaks his leg. Yeah, geez. It's like that was got food. No, not food poisoning, a virus, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone had a virus. So there's a bit where people are literally, literally puking <laughs> into bins. And you're like, just like, as we're wow. walking onto stage, yeah. Like, and yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely the whole ride of filming. We were, we were just always shocked at the fact that Alan would because we weren't filming all the time like our film crew would rock up to certain to certain shows um which were going to be seen as just we're like well this is guaranteed to be this is the biggest headlining show we've ever done in North America and it's LA and in Hollywood and it's sold out and it's going to be sick so they fly over and film it everything goes wrong they rock up on their like the tour where like we start off vomiting and everything was there. It was their first tour with us and the two shows in <laughs> like half the film crew is vomiting as well. And everything's like, can't figure it all out. And then they rock up on the festival tour and yeah, they came specifically for like resurrection fest and Varken and resurrection fest. Like one of the shots you see of the Molotov not lighting and none of the pyro firing and everything that was literally supposed to be this. He's like, I really want to get this photo, the shot of you and, the crowd in the background and we've been looking forward to that show for so long like we're trying to get to resurrection for literally 10 years to play that gig and yeah he, he came on stage for that bit and bing nothing works <laughs> what's going through your mind while that's happening are you th i mean obviously you're kind of in the moment of the, the stage as well are you kind of thinking like we're filming this and everything like um at that point in time like that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me in that, on that show. You can kind of tell afterwards, yeah, afterwards in the footage because you're, yeah, you're not a man, man. whose shoulders sag very often. But there's a No, it's really like, interesting oh. because I, um, I've had a lot of people who've watched that say, I can really tell like, from your facial expression that it's gone wrong. And for me, I, I watch it and I can tell as well, but you never know if it's going to actually translate. So, yeah, it was. It's... Um, that moment for me was like I knew I had to moan back to the crowd. <laughs> and I was just like, Yep. This <laughs> this as well. All right, cool. Like the I played the first four. Like I literally we walked on stage and the first 
like note of the intro track plays and my monitors literally exploded in my ears. So I had to rip out all of my monitors and play the first four songs with nothing in my ears. I was playing to the drums on stage and no monitors. And then on a big festival stage, like it was me playing that with just reverberating around the stage to Gaz and not being able to hear guitars or anything. And I was just like, oh God, okay, this is how it's going to start. Like this, this is how it's going to start after like we almost didn't get to play because everyone's getting struck by lightning. And I was like, all right, let's see how the rest of this show goes. And it kind of just, it was just a, the show, it was, the crowd was mental and the show was mental, but like behind the scenes, it was just constantly us just, thin ice the whole time <laughs> but apart from that the film's a breeze you should, you should definitely all go watch it yeah <laughs> no the thing is the thing yeah, is like yeah. I said all that stuff does actually add a real sense of uh, you know narrative yeah um, drama to it but it also makes you have I think especially if you're not really familiar with what goes on behind the scenes of these yeah. huge shows and these kind of tours it gives you a newfound level of respect I think for the band because you can really see what it yeah, means cheers. to you guys and how much everyone puts into it and yeah, yeah. how much is on the line really because you well, don't get many it. opportunities to take that step no, up and show everyone it. what and you can th- do and that's what we wanted to put out there as well was something that um, was representative of modern bands touring because um, like I'm sitting here right now opposite uh, Motley Crue, The Dirt, <laughs> coffee mug. And like Thanks you look at, up. Yeah. <laughs> but like you look at the movies and the, the, the stuff that's been put out that's representative of just live music in general in a big way in terms of um, mainstream media or anything like that when it comes to film. And it is things like The Dirt and Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man and stuff. And it's hugely popular. Um, and it's showing an era which has um, been and gone and people still see that as a representation of a touring musician and it's not reality like it's not this isn't something where you go backstage to piles of drugs and money and whatever the hell you want and hop on your jet and fuck off and drive your sports car and all of this stuff and you get off stage and you grind like you work you work you work you work and yeah, we are a very large band and we still work our ass off. And we think it's, we just wanted people to see that, to actually understand that this is how the music industry works. And hopefully it does give people some insight. And if they get respect, like they take a, an, a sense of respect from it and understand that this isn't just us, this is how every other band operates in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And they have to, because that's how the, like, the money piles are gone. <laughs> the comets come and taking the dinosaurs out. That's the thing. And we're the ones we're the ones doing that in this in this day and age. So now you can you can see the real shit on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, really, really can. Uh, there's a moment in there where um, quite near the beginning where uh, there's a video of you back in the day. You're kind of saying, "Where do you want to be in like, yeah. Tom five next or five years? Yeah. Next five years? Yeah." And you're kind of fresh faced and going joking around yeah. and about what you're going to yeah. do. What was it like watching that? bit of footage back in the context of this film yeah, and, and what it represents for your career that's so weird because it was I, I didn't realize i totally forgot that it was actually filmed because um that was one of the earlier concepts that we had for the whole movie was right remember that conversation we had in the band and i kept bringing it up in, in interviews and i think i did an interview with ben he was like you know i filmed that i'm like really and then he went and found it and we watched it back and was like yep <laughs> it doesn't surprise me like it's it, it more hammers home the fact that th- this really has been um, unexpected. Mm. Like unexpected in the sense of like every, well, just every sense of it. I don't like, 
I think the only people who saw this coming were the fans that keep dragging more of their friends to gigs next time we come to town and kept pushing it bigger and bigger and bigger because we've always been that band that people have been surprised at the level of success because the music is way heavier than what they think we should be accessible to this amount of people coming or we don't fit the mould for the look or we don't fit the mould for the sound or we're playing something that's going to, we're told, we'll have a shelf life or anything like that. Um, and you, like, yeah, when you look back and you think that even on year one you thought you weren't going to last five years and we're like yeah. on year 16 now, you're like, Jesus, <laughs> all right, yeah, fair enough. Like I can, can kind of see why... This, this it was a shock for so long. <laughs> Good lessons of fans as well. Young bands out there, film all your shit early on. Yeah, you that's never it. know when you're going to be able to use it and look back on it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> um, what was the... Uh, I mean, you kind of talked about what the difficult stuff about making the documentary. Do you have, do you have a favourite moment in it? I'm presuming you've, been, you've watched it all in its entirety now. I've Probably watched a million it times. a million times, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the things that, that, that get me... Um, uh, to be honest, like the f like the, the the final section after we'd finished playing Varken, um, it feels like Varken was almost like again, almost like narratively, like mm -hmm. it was meant to happen. Is like the cli the climax of the film, oh, like all built towards that yeah. fucking massive show. Yeah, yeah, like, that's the thing. Ridiculous size. And the thing with it was was when it was the co when we were having the concept of all right, it's all heading towards here. This is going to be the the climax for it. Can you imagine the stress of realizing that if that show doesn't go well, Fuck. then the whole, the whole project imagine. is screwed? But yeah, but, but being able to watch that back and have that documented in such an awesome way, um, but being, just being able to see us on stage at the end there and um, have that visual reminder of that moment, that moment happened. And I just get to see our faces and the faces of, friends who are genuinely happy at that point in time um because i guess there's plenty of other times in the movie where you get to see that you do get to see the stress and stuff mm -hmm. and it's just it's nice to know that that those moments can really come true because it just I, uh, that's a pretty big like i can remember being told oh you're back and they've said here's the offer you're headlining and just going holy shit mm -hmm. and feeling awesome but also just going that's a hell of a responsibility europe's most metal festival as well like yeah, just dude. like dude that's the real shit the real shit <laughs> yeah that's it and it's if, if you're ever gonna like have a bit of doubt about yourself like it's a situation like that where you really have to like step your game up and be sure of yourself and even then like it took us getting to stage to walk on before we realized holy shit people didn't leave everyone is here to watch and looking at the sky and going there's no rain clouds this is gonna happen mm -hmm. and even then it took me four songs before it sunk in of like this is going well yeah like we're doing it <laughs> not it's do it not only is it going well it's getting better like it this is this is not gonna screw up like we got this <laughs> and um yeah just being able to know that 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 happens like it, it, it can happen and you don't 
something doesn't have to go wrong at the last second. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant moment. I mean, I say yeah. moment, there's a lot of the gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like you, you, you come, we come with you on this journey and then yeah. you almost get to like feel the release with you and then just get to sit back and watch in a, a big-ass rock show. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, man. I'm stoked, I'm stoked it translates. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's funny how these things work out. As you say, I'm sure it was so stressful at the time, but it's <laughs> ended up being a very compelling oh, yeah. motion picture. Yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah. Uh, now, we almost broke the internet with uh, the amount of questions people sent in for you when we said we were going to have you on oh, the podcast. Geez. People Fatigues. asking all sorts of stuff. Uh, don't forget, if you do want to get involved um, with the podcast in general or future guests or anything else, it's facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer Readers. Uh, we're also on Twitter as well and all that business. Um, where should we start? Troy Trevathan asks, will Parkway ever do a gig <laughs> in Geelong? In Geelong? <laughs> done a bunch of gigs now, in Geelong. I was going to look this up where it was and then I forgot. Is this in Australia? Yeah. Okay. So I thought it might be. Melbourne. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. We, well, we haven't done one there in a few years, but yes, we will. And I can't like, does this mean you've never been to a Geelong gig? Like, you're not showing, uh, no, cred, you're not showing too much cred there, Troy. <laughs> Sorry, Troy. You've just yeah. been showing up, mate. Uh, Chris Haylock says, seeing you guys in April at Wembley. That, of course, ridiculously huge show coming up. Mm. Uh, what's your favourite breakdown to play live? Ooh. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to like go past the bottom feet of breakdown, to be honest. <laughs> Just because that moment is... A, I like the actual piece of musical breakdown-ness. <laughs> and, and I also enjoy the fact that people completely lose their shit the yeah. most to that part. So. I mean, you set up with the call-out. Like, yeah, I know, that's it. Like, and it's... it's I, I, I also enjoy when like we write something and in our heads, when, whenever we're writing something, it's like, how is this going to work live? And when we were writing that, I was like, this song, like this song, that, oh, that part of the song has to make people completely lose their shit. Because yeah. when we were writing, I was like, this makes me lose my shit. I mean, I remember when we, we had you at the Mount Hammer Golden God Awards a couple of years back. Yeah, I jumped in the crowd on that jumped, part, like, didn't jumped I? Jumped into the crowd That's and right. it was just yeah. like, fucking yeah. hell, I've done a lot of these and I've never seen anyone do that yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. it just brings something out of people. Yeah, when you're it does on stage that. It, it, like it does it for me on stage. Like and yeah, and that's the part when whatever pyro we have left, our dudes is just like hit everything yeah. and, yeah, smash and all I'm the just buttons. like running around in the middle of just going woo. So yeah, <laughs> excellent, fully backed. Uh, <clears throat> Jack S. Nabel Jr. That's a cool name. When on uh, asks when on tour in the states, are there places you always enjoy stopping when you have an off day or before a show? Ooh. I don't know if that's like little places or cities or, or can I ask how you so, want So the states is really really nice for off days. It's a beautiful country to to uh, travel around. Um, the best one that we found thus far was actually the last tour, um, Waco, Texas. Now have a wave pool. <laughs> so we played Dallas and then the next day we literally hired a car and drove to Waco um to this wave pool which is literally like um there's like not even a sign you pull off a dirt road on the freeway and drive a couple of miles into this field and all of a sudden there's this old cable ski park that has this incredible um man-made wave which was <laughs> bizarre like it's the most bizarre <laughs> thing in like waco texas never let it be said you're about like to break character so yeah so yeah that's that waco takes my the waco texas takes the takes the cake for that one for me in land surfing <laughs> uh 
Finmeister101 on Twitter asks, uh, how do you feel about the latest Star Wars film? Uh, he says, he knows you weren't a particularly big fan of The Last Jedi. Oh, you not? how long do you have for me to rant? <laughs> <laughs> we could probably do uh, a minute or so on Star Wars. All right, let's, uh, um, yeah, nah. No. <laughs> Last Jedi was divisive, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Like, I'm, I'm a very... I'm a Star Wars fanatic. My opinion is... Why did they need to make those three last films? And I'll oh, wow. <laughs> writing them all off. Yeah, that, that's just. But like, if the best thing you can come up with for, with the finale is literally, oh, you know that guy that was dead? He wasn't actually dead, and now he's back. We're gonna kill him again. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he was a great character back then, and now like. You're giving me nothing here. It I'd, definitely felt like a lot of fan service because there was a negative reaction to the last one and it kind of that's, felt like... That's way Disney too went, much oh, for we me. we need to make everyone happy again. It was, it was way... It, and it went overboard. Like, I don't need to see a thousand Star Destroyers all killing planets and, and a zombie Palpatine and all the Jedi and all the Sith. Like, whatever. The Mandalorian's doing it better and it's a TV show. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Slammed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Matt Heeks asks, um, what things do you miss from earlier album cycles or tours that you wish you could still do or do again? Ah, not much, to be honest. Like, not much, only because we've done, like, we've been around for so long that the, the progress of this band was not like, you're doing this one thing and all of a sudden it, it you're doing something completely different and you'll never, like, you 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 get to play a hundred small gigs and now it's just big gigs or you're all of a sudden in a tour bus. Like the amount of time that we have played every type of venue from 50, like 50 people to whatever we're doing now has been all reasonably equal. So there's no point where I'm like, I didn't get enough time playing to 50 people. I didn't get enough time (laughs) sleeping on a sidewalk or in hotel rooms, sharing a bed or in our own bus or like what we're doing now in a in buses ourselves and having. I think there's fun. actually an anecdote you say in the film to um, Jose Mangan about the smallest gig you've ever played or something. Yeah. You talk about like you've you've definitely put in the hours in that kind. Yeah, of that's it. That's it. And it's not the thing. The thing is like it's um, there. It's not that I don't ever want to do it again. It's more the fact that it's so familiar to me that it's there's no void there that needs to be filled with more experience in that regard. Like it's been a really fun process continually growing as a band because we're constantly given a new like a new place to experience and to to grow into and i enjoy growing i enjoy something new and being able to go whoa the stage is a bit bigger or there's more people here or you get to write another record and now you have more skills or you have more time to work on it so um being more restrained it's kind of something that I don't necessarily desire. <laughs> Do you think that having been through that experience and putting in those miles and, and you know, playing the toilet venues and, and everything that can and does go wrong with that is important for bands? Because yeah. by the time you get to the level you're at now, it means more shit will go wrong and maybe yeah. on a bigger scale than you've ever seen before. Yeah. You're used to having to think on the fly and oh, 100%. It's, char- and it's character building. That's the thing. Like, it's, it 100% is character building. And unless you have that experience like there's 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 gonna be something that goes wrong at some point in time and at the end of the day it helps you like it just helps you grow not only as a person but as helps you define your craft and teaches you how you want to be as a as a performer in a much better way because you get to figure out what what not to do and what to do and 
like it's literally just hours spent within the the craft and that's the thing like there's no substitute for an ex for experience no matter what even if you put out like the greatest album ever and that's your first thing that you ever create you're guaranteed to build on that if that's your starting point then you're going to create something absolutely mental down the line that's the thing so yeah um every band should grind Every band should grind. That's it. I, I'm skeptical of the bands that don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see a band that goes from something to from nothing to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No substitute for experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting one from Ben Wilmot, and obviously something uh, a lot of people are talking about at the moment in general. Um, he says, with the sheer hell of all the forest fires in Australia and the increased focus around climate change, is there anything bands can do to reduce their carbon footprint? Uh, and then he says rock tours are essentially jetting around the world and burning off burning a lot of stuff on stage each night for nothing other than sheer pleasure yeah yeah it's a really interesting one that um it's to be honest i think it's a like this scratches the surface of a lot of things like if you it's a pretty big discussion to get into in terms of time spent but i think what we're hitting now is basically the point where um, a technological revolution needs to take place because mm -hmm. as much as um, like being in a band and jetting around the world and all of those things impact the carbon footprint at the end of the day the that pales in comparison to the sheer fact that the carbon like the carbonization of what our entire civilizations are built mm -hmm. upon um, hasn't evolved since the industrial revolution um, the, like our technology from the ground up, everything that we do to produce power, like rather than these small chains we have at the moment, is built on outdated technology, which is causing these issues. And I'm sure every band on the planet, if you gave them a solar-powered plane, a solar-powered bus, or something that isn't going to do that, and gave you gave them access to it, they'd take it in a second. Um, but at the moment, that's not accessible for people, and it seems like as much as you can make a change, it's going to like what is happening within the world is coming down to much larger sources of emissions. Um, so you have to really go all the way back to that root of where the technology begins, like right at the source of all of the manufacturing and work backwards from there rather than like start picking away at like, it's, it's almost putting like trying to put band-aids on top of an infection that spread much, much, much further than that. And it's a, like, it's a shitty thing to say in terms of shirking responsibility um, because I do think everyone's responsible for everything, but at the same point in time, I do think there's potential to address the problem in a far more uh, extensive manner, yeah. and that lies in the hands of people that have lots of money and well, lots yeah, of power. I was going to say, it, it, you, you, like you said, and it's very true, everyone has uh, a role to play, but mm. um, I think there's a lot of big business-influenced oh, powers that have very cleverly kind of spun the argument so people oh, are going well why are, you're not taking your recycling out and, yeah, you know, yeah you're in a band it. you're doing this and yeah. when actually like you said there's probably other more nefarious things that could be sorted out to yeah that's the, that's the thing and it's a, like it's not this is like we we all do what whatever we can with it and it's very hard not to feel like you i want to feel responsibility and i want to feel the least amount of guilt around what we do and all of those those things and I, and I know people want to change but at the end of the day as well like you have to be willing to see the big picture of where responsibility will genuinely lie um like at the moment we in australia we have 
the opportunity to have a revolution in terms of the power, the waste power is actually generated on a large scale for our entire country. And we currently have a government who against like against the private sector and against their own research still are saying we want more coal fired power plants in the country. And no one in the country is saying, yes, please. Everyone is saying, we don't want that. But they're still pushing ahead with it. And that's when you start saying, why are these people doing that? So, yeah. Jar of Tripsis on Twitter says, Winston has said before that he remembers the first time they played a gig in Wollongong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wollongong. (laughs) You're loving these names, aren't you? (laughs) Shillong, Wollongong. I kind of just, I saw them and I just thought, Winston, no. Yeah. Uh, Because it was the first time they were given a platter of sandwiches backstage. So, what's your favourite sandwich, Ben? What's your favourite sandwich, Phil? We're covering all the bases today. This is great. We're going super (laughs) deep on this one. What's the carbon emissions of your sandwich, Phil? I'm partial to a good salad sandwich, to be honest. Salad sandwich? Salad sandwich. Come on. I'm vegetarian, so it's not like some roast beef with weird chutney or something. What do you got here? Get a bit of cheese in there or something. Yeah, there's a bit of cheese in there. Love a bit cheese and salad sambo. Right, That's good. pretty good. Yeah, I like yeah, a grilled a... cheese sandwich. Yeah, it can't be a I grilled love... cheese. Since you start grilling the cheese, then you're in Flavor Town. Have you ever had a Plowman's? Yeah, love a Plowman's. Bit of Branston pickle on there. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Now we're talking. Ooh. Now we're talking. <laughs> Suit you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack Hawkins asks uh, The Bloodstock 2019 headline set was killer, but it was touch and go with the wind being as bad as it was. Yes, it was. For those who uh, aren't <laughs> yeah. maybe based in England and don't know, um, Bloodstock like kind of played got, in a hurricane. Almost, yeah, <laughs> oh, man. Bloodstock main stage kind of got postponed for like half a day because there were these crazy fucking weather conditions yeah. going on. Um, yeah, Jack asks, can you tell us what it was like behind the scenes before you came on stage? That oh day? hell yeah! Um, I'll take you back to when we arrived the night before, and within two minutes of our bus pulling up, we got bogged because the mud was so deep. We had we had to within five minutes we had to get. Welcome to England. Welcome to England. Your bus is getting pulled out by a tractor. Um, But yeah, the winds the entire day, we were having constant updates on. Um, When the winds finally peaked, I don't know if people were aware of this, but they were so strong that the screens got pulled down um, and the back got torn off the stage, um, taken down because it was literally lifting the stage off the ground, Um, which is mental when you're considering how much wind force that takes. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't until about 10 minutes before we went on where we were like, okay, we're just running the show. We're full pyro, everything, we're going for it. We'll deal with it as it goes and we'll just hope that like there's not a gust of wind. Yeah. But if you watch the footage back, you can see the when the gusts hit, when certain pyro bursts are going off and the flames go up and then sideways. And like when that happens, it's terrifying on stage because the basically like the the pyro fuel blast radius just expands and it turns like a it's like a barbecue on stage so yeah for us it was a it was an interesting set it was a really interesting set in that regard and you just it's one of those things where we're like well fuck you win we're playing anyway yeah. <laughs> no, no, as jack said it was obviously received very well yeah so yeah there we go got yeah away with yeah it. yeah <laughs> Uh, Marco LG says your performance oh we talked about it earlier at the Golden Gods in London a couple of years back made me into a fan what are your memories of that night and of that dive into the crowd (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely remember the dive and moshing in the in the pit and that was that was one of the best ones Um, 
I remember um, it was a trip out seeing Aussie walk past as well and Maynard. Yeah. The world's like, shortest speech ever that Aussie yeah. gave. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great because he was, he was side stage and anyway, anytime someone mentioned him, who introduced him? I can't remember who introduced Zach him. Wild introduced Zach Wilde introduced him. Zach Wilde introduced him, yeah. And it was like Zach almost introduced him a bunch of times and every time Ozzy would like go to walk out and shout <laughs> shout and go, no, not now, I'm coming back. It was so yeah, and yeah, good on it him. It was so. wild backstage that day. Like we had the whole Osborne clan all Yeah, kind of man. Out, it, it was, was like, oh my God, I'm on MTV in two thousand and two. Yeah, it was mental. a it was a trip out. Like for, for us walking around we're just like, oh don't walk out there. Don't walk out here. Okay. Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. just keep your head down. You can do a gig in a second. <laughs> Uh, Steve Briscoe uh, has a question about Wembley. He says, how involved was, was Winston in sorting the Wembley bill, uh, also featuring Hatebreed, Stick to Your Guns, and Venom Prison? Oh, uh, no, straight from the path, isn't it? No, Stick to Your Guns. No, it is Stick to Your Guns. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Venom Prison, which will be ridiculous. And he says... Uh, will, Ven- will Venom Prison smash it? Yeah. Yes, they will. Do you know that Venom Prison will smash it? Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, we're involved in every bill that gets put together, like literally every bill. Um, we, like, basically, we involved in everything that we do. Nothing happens with Parkway that is out of our control. Well, a lot of people so. don't probably know how that dynamic works, and I do yeah. imagine with a lot of bands that come to Wembley, they probably don't have as much. Yeah, yeah, input, that's it. So that's that's cool it. Yeah. No, it's um. How do you put a bill together for filling Wembley? Because obviously, it's got to be metal. It's got to be something that you think. Will it depends work on, that on stage. what you're going for. So for for um. For this tour, we wanted like Hatebreed to start with. We're like touring with Hatebreed for us is a massive, massive deal. Like the first band that Parkway ever covered was Hatebreed. The first song that I ever sung was with Luke's old band covering a Hatebreed song. Like Satisfaction is the Death of Desire was the reason that I got into like screaming in the first place. Um, they have a massive, massive impact on this band. So after that, like it was get friends who we really want to push and we really want to expose who are really good, which was Stick to Your Guns, and get someone who is newer, who hasn't had the chance to play in front of as many people as we're going to have on these shows, who we think should be in front of these people. Because the people that come to Parkway gigs are fucking awesome and they have open minds we've seen how they react to every band generally on the bill people will have a, a positive reaction to and venom prison are fucking rad so yeah i mean it's an, ama- it's an amazing thing to see a, a british death metal band mm-hmm. like not even a slightly death metal band like a fucking death metal yeah. band on stage at wembley, at wembley. Well, huh. and when, when we're putting it together i was just like Oh, this is so sick to yeah, see this yeah. to see that line up and then like at Wembley, I'm just like, yeah, great. This is like because this is how like this is how progress is made as well when it term when it comes to helping build bands. It's not we're we're very aware that this is a community. It doesn't grow with just one band being popular. Absolutely. Like well, I remember when, because um, you guys supported Bring Me over here, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. And that was kind of when Bring that Me was on really this is a hell. On yeah. the, on the, the you know, yeah. just about to break into yeah. the crazy level of that the was it. Yeah. now. You guys came over. I think yeah. Architects came over with them as well on that. Yeah, it was us, Architects. Um, oh, God, who else was on that one? Us, Architects, While She Sleeps? No, it wasn't While She Sleeps. No, it wasn't. 
can't remember who opened that one. Were we like the Devil Wears Prada or something? Yes. Yeah, it was Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was, you know, that that felt at the time like this was, you know, all bands that could be going on and doing Mm. big things. And and lo and behold, Architects and yourselves now have since gone on to Headline Wembley Arena. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And like it takes, it takes, it takes bands exposing younger bands to their audience to do that and that's how things grow it's always been the way um so we've we always do it with every with every single tour like there's always we, we do our best to try and get a newer band to in like on a slot which will expose them to to an to a newer audience an audience that isn't theirs and also getting to share the road with like people Bands I know that you've inspired have inspired you guys yeah. like Hatebreed. You yeah. toured with Killswitch last year. Yeah. Like that must feel yeah. crazy, dude. It's wild. It's really, really wild. Like uh, it's it's very. We're in that really strange position where when it comes to putting together a, a set list and we start like writing down like the bands that you want to tour with and then bands submit if they like if their agent if they're available to do a tour or something and you start going through them and. Uh, it's really odd for us, like kid in a candy store situation of like, here are the bands that you can play with for the next like couple of months, and we're just like looking at names like Killswitch and and Haybreed, you just like you got you giggle. It's a real, it's a real like, what the hell moment. Like I, Luke and I are the ones that mainly work on the um, the lineups with our booking agent and doing these, especially doing Haybreed. Um, I was, I was like, you realise how strange this is? And he was like, yeah, it kind of hit me the other day. Like I was on the phone to Jamie Jaster like at three in the morning about Hatebreed getting on the gig to play in arenas in Europe and I just kind of twigged how odd this was because <laughs> I can remember when we used to cover this, the, their songs and um, it's a very, sur- like those are the kind of moments that are very, very, very surreal. It's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be a hell of a show. It's gonna be a banger, buddy. Am I, am I right in thinking that that's the, the the last date on that particular run? I think so. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's an interesting year for you guys because it's like a year of celebration and reflection in a way. Because you've got yeah, the film 100%. coming out and you've got this big run that's kind of I don't know the end of the reverence cycle, but certainly yeah. kind of putting some kind of full stop on it. Yeah. So yeah. is it kind of drawing a line under this chapter of your career for now? Do you I'm think? I'm not sure. I don't think we've. I don't know if we've discussed it in that many yet, but it it kind of is. Um, Especially now that you pointed out with the movie and stuff, I never even looked at it in that perspective. But to a to a degree, it kind of is. I know that this is the last like we're doing it. This will be the only UK show we play this year, mm-hmm. um, and the only Europe show we play this. Only Europe tour we do this year. We got one tour in every major market, and then we are working on writing music. Um, so I guess when you start writing new music, you kind of are ending a cycle aren't you yeah your head's in a slightly different space it definitely is yeah Yeah. it's the first time that we've been able to we will be able to disengage from what's going on at this point in time which has just been non-stop since like before I came out we just haven't had a break just because it's been everything's exploding this is mental literally in some cases (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly can't wait it's going to be an amazing show uh it is uh april 18th at wembley arena with hate breed stick to your guns and venom prison a ridiculous bill don't be stupid just make sure you see it 
Um, and the film, as I said, is out right now. If you happen to be listening to this on Wednesday, January 22nd, Viva the Underdogs. It's an amazingly compelling watch. Um, I presume there'll be some kind of DVD release following it. It's going to be something. I'm not sure. Or Blu-rays sure or whatever I'm not sure how you release now. it, but yeah. Grab it, go and watch it in the cinema because it's been mixed for the cinema as well, which is a rare thing with heavy music. Yeah, you really yeah, want to yeah. get your head blown off. You do as well. <laughs> yeah. You do. Uh, yeah, make sure you go and uh, check out when you can watch it in the UK right now. Uh, well, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with podcast 100. We'll have some special Happy things. Happy birthday. Thanks very much. Uh, Winston, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, we'll see you in April. Cheers, mate. Nice one. Awesome.